Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your computer makes thousands of connections every day, just like the one it's making now to deliver you your audio content. Why not unlock some little connections of your own? Pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today, stay at home and share them with your family or friends. Sometimes it's the little things that bring us together. This is a quick word from our sponsors. Reportex makes transcribing and editing audio super easy. Record with the Audio Recorder app for Android and transcribe via the app or upload an audio file with drag and drop. Access the transcription on your laptop and edit it with simple copy, paste and delete commands. Your audio file will instantly mirror all text changes automatically. Try it at no charge at reportex.io. I've got to give Brooksy a quick call telling him about this. It's going to make our lives almost too easy. Hello? Brooksy? Good to hear the catchphrase. Still going strong. How productive are you being at the moment? Not very. I've got an app for you, mate. Reportex. I'm all ears. Tell me more. Editing recorded speech has never been easier. You don't need audio editing experience, which I know you don't have. The audio edits itself instantly as you edit the transcription. This is obviously useful for anyone who records speech for whatever reason. Journalists, researchers, lecturers, students, podcasters. Here's the point. I think we download this app and then sack our producers. Record, transcribe, edit. Too easy. So who's going to tell our producers they're getting the sack? I was thinking maybe you do that. Brooksy? With a fast, automatic and accurate transcription, you can skip right to the good bit, the creative part of processing your material. In my case, cutting out all the nonsense that Brooksy says. And it's affordable, with subscription plans for all preferences. To get this special promotion, visit reportex.io and claim using the coupon code SCIENCESH20. Get productive using text-based audio editing. Try Reportex at no charge, visit reportex.io and get going. Oh, cool. Is that crystallized xanthanite? It conducts electrons across dimensions. 20% accurate as usual, Morty. The important thing being, I just upgraded our cable package with programming from every conceivable reality. Wait, does that mean we get Showtime Extreme? Jerry, you don't get it. This is infinite TV from infinite universes. A researcher at Planck's U.S. data center here in California might have found evidence of another universe. Scientists are attempting to disprove everything we think we know about, well... Everything. One possibility is to imagine that there are many, many universes all scattered out there in this larger version of reality. 
Now scientists want to use the machine to disprove the Big Bang Theory of the universe by discovering miniature black holes, which would in turn reveal parallel universes. Were either of you guys uncertain about anything just now? Oh man, I don't feel good. Am I talking right now? I think so. Wait, who said that? It simply tells us that questions that we thought were profound in the past, why does this or that feature of the world have this or that property, those questions may not be profound at all. They just might be environmental happenstance. You f*** with squirrels, Morty. We have to pack up and move to a new reality, Morty. You know, we, I said we can only do that a couple of times. Uh, hello and welcome to Scientist Live from Shoreditch House. There are, for anyone listening, there's roughly, I mean, it's a guesstimate, 1,500 people here. So it's very, very exciting. Very, very popular show. Um, I'm Rick Edwards. This is uh, Dr. Michael Brooks, who's been working on a catchphrase, uh, which is... Hello. It's actually, it's, it's good. It is, it's a good catchphrase. I think it's strong. In the sense that lots of people use it. And it's a bad <laughs> catchphrase in the sense that people don't always associate the phrase, if I can call it a phrase, hello with you. Not yet, they don't. No, that's a good point. So the, the, the concept of the show is that we take one piece of fiction... And then we ask one big question and then discuss it. Um, this week, the question is colossal. What are we going to be talking about, Mike? I mean, I'm not sure that we've ever done a bigger question than this. It's, are there really other universes? That's quite a big claim to say that that is the, uh, that's the biggest question well, we've the, ever asked. The, the whole realm of, of existence and reality is not big enough for you. We have previously on this podcast talked about immortality, alien language, whether dolphins will ever have hands... So we've covered some of the big What's stuff the today. today. Well, in in this discussion, yes, because if it's yes, if it's not we're talking about a lot of universes, aren't we? Yeah, we we, one of which will have dolphins with hands. But yeah, my favourite universe, by the way. Um, so, and what's the source material? We are, of course, looking at the science of Rick and Morty. Yeah. There's a few fans in tonight, few I think. In. Have you seen it? Presumably yeah, of course I have. It's absolutely ideal. Uh, based on, uh, originally, I and mean, obviously the fans will know this, um, on, on Back to the Future, sort of a parody yeah. of Back to the Future. Um, so it's the Doc and Marty. It's also, it's worth saying, it's absolutely bonkers. Like, it's, a, it's an utterly bizarre... Yeah, and I think it's important. It's important for us to state right at the beginning that the basic premise is that you know Rick is a mad scientist, also an alcoholic, uh, takes his grandson on adventures through other dimensions, and it's kind of very loosely um, debated whether it's whether it's actually sort of other universes, other dimensions, sort of some sort of time travel kind of loops in there as well. We're not going to get bogged down on what exactly they travel through, apart from it's some kind of portal. Yes, that'll do. Yes, and so our question is: uh, Are are there really other universes? And before we get into it, who is the legend that we have tracked down to help us answer this question? I mean, you're not going to believe this, but we've got Mr. Multiverse himself. So Professor Brian Green from Columbia University in New York has deigned to talk to us about the whole issue of multiverses. It's amazing. I mean, this is the guy who wrote The Fabric of the Cosmos, The Elegant Universe, which obviously you've all read. Um, so he really does know what he's talking about. String theorist extraordinaire. Uh, and here he is. When you look up at the night sky, you encounter this glorious, amazing universe filled with stars. And if you have a powerful telescope, you can see galaxies too. And your natural inclination is one of wonderment, but also 
you come to the natural conclusion that what you see is what there is. This entire huge universe encompasses the entirety of reality. And therefore, for much of our histories of the, of the human species, we have imagined that there's a single universe that we are part of. The possibility that there might actually be other worlds, other universes, is an idea that physicists have pursued for a long time. You know, one of the most prominent early examples came from the study of quantum physics, where in quantum mechanics, we come to this strange new realization that physics only predicts the probability of one outcome or another. The electron might have a 50% chance of being here or a 50% chance of being over there. So people wondered, well, when we measure the electron and we say find it over here, what happened to the other possibility that the mathematics allowed? And a very insightful thinker named Hugh Everett III came to the idea that maybe the other possibility is realized, but just not in our universe. It's realized in another world, in another universe. So any outcome allowed by the laws of physics would actually take place in its own separate world, its own separate universe. And that's a radical updating of our picture of reality, admitting the possibility that our single universe is just one among many. I guess before we really get stuck into this, there's a lot of terms in Rick and Morty as well, sort of bandied about. So parallel worlds, uh, alternate realities, multiverse. How come we are so free and easy with this terminology? Is it because we can't quite get to grips with it? Yeah, I mean, so, so the problem is that nobody's really ever properly defined things. So, so you can talk about parallel worlds if you're, if you're talking about quantum mechanics. And they are sort of you know, in some abstract space that we can't even define. When we talk about a multiverse, we're talking about you know, a lot of universes dotted around, next door to each other kind of thing. And people just have started using these things interchangeably. So Brian Greene actually once said, it's sort of like, you know, we talk about a multiverse um, and we talk about parallel worlds and we talk about other dimensions or whatever, and you can just kind of use whatever you want and you kind of know what you mean when you're talking about these various things. He said it's a bit like pornography where you kind of know it when you see it. But you could never really define what is pornography. Well, I think you sort of can, actually. <laughs> I don't think you can. And, and, you well, know, you the, have done a lot of research. Yeah, I have. I'm working quite hard on that. Um, but the... Um, it's a really terrible image. <laughs> um, the thing about it is that sort of confused me initially is that, and this maybe is just a semantic issue, but universe, I would always take to mean everything. So even if there are kind of lots of these bubbles yeah. and we're in one of them, yeah. I would still say that the whole is the universe, no? Well, you can do, but you can also call that a multiverse. It's like a multiverse, and I guess we'll, we'll get into that, but, mm. but, you know, we mustn't get too hung up on it. And that's what I kind of like about Rick and Morty, just kind of skidding over the whole thing. We'll, we'll go to another world, however we want to define it. I mean, yeah, you can just yeah. talk about worlds, and, and that's sort of... Is that enough? You know, because if we talk about many worlds, you could talk about, you know, the world on Europa or the world on yeah. Titan or Saturn or whatever. You know, well, so. it, that's a, a very kind of old-school way of looking at it. Yeah. Because, you know... Professor Brian mentions, you know, the sort of quantum way into uh, a multiverse, but people have been talking about other worlds since, like the the late sixteenth 
century. Yeah, yeah. The earliest reference I could find was by a guy called Jerome Cardano, who was an a, a astrologer. Oh, yeah. And, and he was talking about... Has anyone written a book about it? Yeah, actually, somebody did. Yeah, I wrote a book about it. Oh, right. That's right, yeah. Cool. Called The Quantum Astrologer's Handbook. Brilliant. Really, really good. Book of the Year, I think it was in the Telegraph. I don't remember that. <laughs> no. Anyway, so he, he talked in, in 1530, he talked about... He wrote a book where he was talking about, you know, maybe there are other universes, other worlds. So he was the first guy who looked at the, sort of the, the fixed stars and thought, actually, they might not be fixed, they might just be suns, and they might have exoplanets, and they yeah. might be inhabited. Yeah. And the, the Pope at the time, um, not massively progressive, um, took issue and burned him at the stake. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they sort of, it, it, it's sort of not quite as well-defined as that, because he also said a lot of other stuff that he probably oh, shouldn't have said. Oh, he's a spicy guy. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he said, he wrote something where he said, uh, Jesus was a really highly skilled magician. And things like that. So, so he had, he gave them a lot of ammo. To be fair, so you, you can see the Pope's point. Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. Uh, I think burn him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> fine. Fine. Um, now, your specialist area, as you <laughs> want to tell me, is quantum physics. That is what your it might might be. It so, might be. Yeah. could you go through? the quantum process of us arriving at a multiverse. Yes, quantum theory tells us that nothing is sort of fixed. And if you follow the the Schrodinger equation, the kind of basic equation, you get a load of waves, which are all the possibilities, and you can just add them all together. And all the things happen at once. This is why you can have this famous thing called Schrodinger's cat, which is dead and alive at the same time, because you can work out an experiment where you can make a cat that is basically dead and alive, as long as nobody does a measurement on it. As soon as somebody looks at it and does a measurement, then it, this sort of what's called a superposition, all these different states, collapse onto one state, and then it's either dead or alive. Okay, So people thought this was ridiculous, but they didn't like to say so. Because this uh, is in, in stark contrast to what Newton would have said. Newton basically said, if you give me all the initial conditions, I'll be able to tell you what's happening yeah. five seconds later, ten seconds later. And there's only one answer. Yeah. There's only there's ever one answer. One answer. So, Determinist. Yeah, so, so quantum physics gives you all the answers at the same time and then says, oh, the reason we only see one is because some kind of measurement happens and then you, it all collapses into one right. at random. So Hugh Everett thought this was ridiculous. Hugh Everett III, who, who's uh, you know, a complete don, uh, he completely accepted the idea that lots and lots of things can all happen at once, but he said they all just happen in a different universe. So, so there's one universe where you know a photon is going left and there's another universe where it's going right. So all these quantum processes that we think of as like you know just everyday stuff, each one of them precipitates the sort of creation of a new universe, if you like, or it unro- unfolds in a new universe. And this is a kind of abstract space of universes. So it's not like you could get to the edge of our universe and it would be there. It's in a place called Hilbert space, which is a kind of abstract mathematical space. Apart from that, it's, it's totally kosher. Right. So this is... So you're saying that I do my experiment with my electron. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's a 50% chance it goes left, a 50% chance it goes right. Yeah. I am trapped in the universe that I'm trapped in. Yeah. So I only see one of the outcomes, yeah. so it goes right. But... There is another me yeah. in an abstract space in another universe where the electron goes left. Yes. Good to clear that up. Yeah. Um, and, and do you buy that? I kind of do. Uh, I didn't used to. I used to be quite sort of sceptical about this whole idea of many worlds. But actually, the more I've looked into it, the more it kind of makes sense. Because when you go right back to the beginning of quantum theory, you have like... Schrodinger was talking about multidimensional things happening back in 1927. So Everett was in the 50s. 
And, and so actually back in 27, Schrodinger said, we've got to accept that this is a multidimensional theory. So, so it seemed, it's, it's like baked right into the whole thing. And when you do the maths of the Schrodinger equation, an electron has you know, one property, say it's mass, in one dimension. But if you're going to talk about um, another property of it, it's momentum, that actually happens in a different universe. So all the electrons have different universes that they're inhabiting at, at the same time. This is just how quantum physics works. It's head fuck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way of it. Oh, crap. Are you kidding me? Two dots? This never needs to be more than one dot. The two of you made us uncertain. What are you what talking about? English, English? English? Our time is fractured. You two somehow created a feedback loop of uncertainty that split our reality into two equally possible impossibilities. We're exactly like a man capable of sustaining a platonic friendship with an attractive female co-worker. We're entirely hypothetical. But I thought there were infinite timelines. We're not on any timeline, dummy. Look. Oh my god! Are those cats? I assume they're Schrodinger's cats. Actually, I assume they both are and aren't, just like us. So, just to go back a little bit then, do we need to invoke quantum in order to arrive at parallel worlds? Don't sigh at my question. Well, you know, you're you're always trying to get out of of quantum, aren't you? I don't like it. (laughs) I've never liked it. I know, I know. It's sort of a reflection of how you feel about me, perhaps. I don't know. Yes, I both dislike you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, we don't. So, So if the universe is infinite, then... That's quite a big if. It's not that big an if. It's all right. Well, it's an infinitely big if. No, it's quite plausible that the universe is infinite. And if it is, then all things will happen. So, so you know, you keep going, and we've got our universe, the visible universe that we can see. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, presumably there's other types of things going on, all different arrangements of atoms elsewhere. And you just keep going and going and going. Eventually, that will repeat, because there's only so many... There's a finite arrangement of atoms that you can make. So it, it must be repeating universes beyond, you know, the edge of, of what we can know. So, so this is assuming that the universe, or whatever, space-time, is, is infinite, and we're basing that on the fact that matter appears to be uniformly distributed through the bit that we can see. Yeah. We, we don't know of an edge. probably yeah. continue. But even if it's finite, actually, you, you kind of get to a point where things are going to repeat anyway. But at, but at huge, huge scales. Yeah, we're, we're talking, talking about beyond astronomical yeah. scale. So there's a kind of, you know, by the time we get to another copy of you, we've, we've had to go 10 to the 10 to the 118 metres or something. It's a long way. That is a long way. Yeah, thank God. Pack your lunch, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So there's only one of you in that kind of radius. And I would never be able to get there because the universe is expanding at such a rate. Yeah, yeah. So, so space is actually expanding faster than you'll be able to travel there, so... Okay. So you'll never meet that other you. And what about, there's another way of getting to the multiverse. We've got a quantum way. We've got a, that it's just massive, so eventually there will be a repeats way. The other, one, the other is, one is the inflation way. So, so there's this theory called inflation. It's just a theory, whatever anybody tells you, um, that actually at the beginning of the universe, so when it was about 10 to the minus 34 seconds old, suddenly in a tiny, tiny fraction of, the, of a second, it grew sort of from the size of a billionth of a proton up to the size of a marble. Okay, so there's no reason for this to happen that we know of. 
We don't know how it would happen. It would require this particle that physicists call the inflaton, but nobody's ever found it. Nobody knows how it works or whatever. Um, but it does solve a problem, which is you know, a kind of cosmological problem about why everything in the universe is all the same temperature. Right. So basically, it solves the problem of like, how did all the heat cross the universe so fast? Because we know the universe is only 14 billion years old and there hasn't been time for it all to reach the same temperature. So, so the, the idea uh, put forward by a guy called Alan Guth is that the universe just suddenly blew up and then it stopped blowing up and just became the size of a marble. And then it just carried on sort of expanding merrily, but nicely, not in a kind of maniacal kind of way, just, yeah. you know, gently. Yeah. And, um, and this uh, theory, which is, you know, basically mainstream cosmology now. Um, so the main theory of how the universe began is called the Big Bang plus inflation, basically. Mm. So we have this. But anyway, let's assume it happened. And uh, then if we assume it happened, then we have to assume that things like that can happen all the time, that there can be these sudden sort of expansions of space-time. And that means that in our universe, there are, you know, somewhere across the universe, a, a, a volume of space and time is suddenly expanding up. And actually, the way the equations work out is that this, this will just suddenly inflate randomly um, and then pinch off and form a new universe. And that means that, you know, the, the thing that we call the universe is just one of many bubbles, like a bubble in a bubble bath kind of thing. And there are loads of universes next door. And are those universes going to be the same as ours? Well, they could, they, physical properties? they're pretty much going to have pretty much the same physical properties. But there's no reason why also they couldn't have subtle differences. So some of them might have laws of physics that stop life happening, for instance. So they might be sterile. But um, nobody really knows, obviously, because it's all made up. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of all made up. No, it's um, made up. I mean, this is a little disrespectful to about 100 years of work. <laughs> but, um, about, to be honest, it's the late 70s. I mean, anything was going at that point. Well, that's true. Um, but about 20 years ago, there was a genuinely amazing discovery, an observation um, that added fuel to the sort of the multiverse fire. Yeah, yeah. Hitch your button. All right. There was an amazing observational breakthrough in the 1990s where two teams of astronomers found that the universe is suffused with a certain kind of energy. We call it dark energy because it does not give off light. And this dark energy gives rise to a kind of repulsive version of gravity that causes the universe to expand ever more quickly. And their observations showed that that's exactly what's happening in the universe. And their explanation was, we have been missing this dark energy. We previously did not recognize that it exists. Now, that's a wonderful breakthrough. These guys won the Nobel Prize for that observation. But at the same time, it raised a profound puzzle, which is this. When you actually calculate the amount of dark energy that must be in space to account for the observations, it's a totally bizarre number. In the natural units, it's a decimal point followed by something like 122 zeros and then a one. And a number like that is just so unexpected. We can't imagine how we're ever going to derive that number from a mathematical explanation. The numbers that we like to use are one or a half or pi or e, you know, the ordinary everyday numbers that you find in, in mathematical formulae in textbooks. So the question is, how are we ever going to explain this number? And one possibility 
is that the way you explain it is to imagine that there are many, many universes all scattered out there in this larger version of reality. And that each of those universes has a different amount of dark energy. And if that's the case, and if you have enough universes, you're virtually guaranteed mathematically that one of those universes will have the strange value of dark energy that we have observed. So it may be that the way we explain this observation in our single universe drives us to the possibility to take seriously that there may be other universes out there. So this funny number that arises, the amount of dark energy in our universe to create the all of the, the sort of physicality that we see, um, is a really big deal because it's totally baffling to physicists and, and cosmologists. You can't really get this number to drop out nicely. And as Professor Brian said, you want it to be uh, like a nice number, and it isn't. And the, the, sort of, the idea of dark energy, a kind of repulsive gravity, um, was, I think, first brought up by, by Einstein when he was trying to do a yeah, bit of a yeah. fudge, effectively, to make his calculations work. So he wasn't necessarily saying, I think that this will exist. He was like well, I hope this exists, because it will make the equations work. And this dark energy does exist, but it is in an odd amount. And so then you have to sort of ask this question, why are we in a universe that has this strange amount of dark energy? Um, And then when you unpick it a bit more, you start to think, well, okay, if there was a, a greater amount of dark energy then that would mean that everything was getting pushed apart, uh, repelled more. Um, And if everything was getting pushed apart and repelled more, then you wouldn't have the chance for galaxies to fall um, because everything would just be getting effectively exploded. Um, And if galaxies don't form, then obviously you're not going to have stars. You're not going to get in a situation where actually our form of life could exist. So you so still have a have, universe. You still you, have a universe, but, not, but you wouldn't have no one there to us. observe it. You would, or you wouldn't have our life form, yeah, or anything similar to us, um, because of the because of the requirements that that we have for our life. Um, similarly, if you have too little dark energy, then everything will collapse too quickly to form galaxies. And so you, you find that actually we're living in quite a sort of narrow band. Like, is the right amount of dark energy? for our life to come about. Um, and you, you could call it the sort of like the Goldilocks zone, um, which you, you, you might have heard of in, in terms of sort of planets. So um, you, I mean, you don't like quantum stuff so much, but you're, quite, really. ha- you're quite happy to take this kind of argument of convenience... That, well, I, I realize that it's this... sort of like, well, it just is that way because we're here to see it, and that's all the explanation anybody needs. I'm not saying it's all the explanation, and I know that because this is a uh, obviously an anthropic argument where you say, well, it just it is because it is because we're here, and for us yeah. to be here, it has to be like this. Yeah. Um, but it, it is like it's it's true. Like you can't it, you can't argue with it. In what way is it true? Well, it's it's true that if the amount of dark energy was different, we wouldn't be here. Yeah, but it doesn't explain anything, does it? No, but that's when you want to bring in the multiverses. So then you say, well. There will be all these other universes um, that, have, that have popped out of these, these yeah. bubbles during chaotic, eternal yeah. inflation. Yeah. And they will have 
all sorts of different physical constants. So it's a slightly different... So can you prove that? Not yet. <laughs> so, no, no, but you, so you're but saying there are all, all of the universes... All of this stuff. Don't talk over me. Okay. With, uh, all these different universes with different physical properties, including dark energy, mm-hmm. and they're all out there, mm-hmm. and that explains why we can't explain anything. Yes. Perfect. A researcher at Planck's U.S. data center here in California might have found evidence of another universe. He noticed a mysterious glow on the map of the cosmic microwave background, which is believed to be the light left over from the early universe shortly after the Big Bang. One possible explanation for the glow could be a parallel universe which is leaking into ours because the light is far brighter in places than it should be. Last year, um, a study came out that looked at something which was seen about 10 years ago. Um, So we look at the background uh, radiation, microwave radiation, that comes from the Big Bang, possibly our Big Bang, one of many Big Bangs. Uh, And when you look at it, generally it's it's quite sort of even. But there is a little cold spot. And the cold spot is perplexing because we can't get there through inflation theory. Like, inflation theory doesn't end up with a cold spot like this. So one theory that this study is putting forward is that... You're almost, I mean, I can see I you mean, smiling I'm, I'm for anyone yeah. listening. It, he doesn't even is, believe No, it's not stuff. that I don't believe it. It's just that... No, no one's saying this is true. It's a possible explanation. Is that it is evidence of a collision between our universe and another universe at some point. So it's like a, a, a cosmic prang kind of... Yes, thing. it's two, two bubbles whacking into each other. Produces a cold spot. Yes, Right. Is this a majority view in physics? I mean, no. no. But, ah. but people are... I mean, essentially what people are saying is, yes, maybe, but it's totally untestable. But that's the problem with all of this stuff. Yeah, okay. It's all untestable. It's kind of how much faith do you have in, in your ideas, how much faith do you have in, in the maths. I know you have a lot of faith in the maths of quantum. But yours is a leap of faith, as much as this Okay. Is. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. I, 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 might, I, I wouldn't. Can, look, you know... <laughs> I know, I know you wouldn't. But somewhere, a long way away, there is a you who is agreeing with me. (laughs) Very, very long way away. That you agree with. Um, So the thing that I'm driving at is there is not really any need to bring quantum into this. We can arrive at multiverses without quantum. But what we're saying, in a way it kind of relates, is what we're saying is that the evidence that we have, whether it's quantum or whether it's, you know, the fact that the universe is as it is, leads us to kind of this... The best explanation is that there are other worlds out there. So, yeah. so if you go by quantum physics, it tells you there are other worlds out there. If you go by you know how the universe looks and and works and seems to be, then you have to say there are other worlds out there. So the question we have to ask is is you know what does any of this mean? Where does it get us? Help us out, please, Professor Bright. <laughs> you know, if there are other universes, it's not going to affect our daily lives in any direct way, but it will certainly smack our brains around into a radically new way of thinking about reality. Because just to give one example, the math shows pretty definitively that if this multiverse idea is true, that there are some universes out there in which 
copies of us exist or near copies of us exist. Hey, what do you know? It's a cowboy version of me. Jeez, you're easy to impress. Reality that we're familiar with may actually be replicated in various flavors and variations scattered throughout this enormous version of reality. Yeah, most timelines have a Rick and most Ricks have a Morty. This place is a real who's who of who's you and me. You know, there'd be universes just like ours. There'd be universes in which Trump's not president. I mean, there'd be all sorts of things, both good and bad, happening out in this wider landscape. And that's just a completely different way of thinking about the reality that we inhabit. Turn your boring old Morty into a hot fashion statement with some Morty Dazzlers. Hey, check this out. Show me the Morty. Dumb. So while it's not going to give us new gadgets to play with, it's not going to generate new technology, I think in time, that idea will have a profound impact on the way we think about how we fit in to the big picture. Albert Einstein famously wondered whether God had any choice in creating the universe, by which he meant, could it be that logical cohesiveness alone is enough to guarantee that there's a unique universe with unique features and unique laws and unique properties? And that, that really has set the agenda of physics for a very long time. We all have viewed that our charge is to explain every last detail of the universe that we observe. But if our universe is just one of many, and those other universes have different properties, different features, different values of the the mass of the electron or the strength of the gravitational force, then that might be a fool's errand trying to explain those features because they don't take unique values. They take many values scattered throughout the multiverse. Now, in that way of thinking about things, it simply tells us that questions that we thought were profound in the past, why does this or that feature of the world have this or that property, those questions may not be profound at all. They just might be environmental happenstance. On the other hand, finding the deep principles, the deep underlying structure that gives rise to the multiverse with all its varied properties that would still be the goal. So we'd still be chasing down the deepest mathematical underpinnings of this larger picture of reality. So it'll allow us to keep going just with a slight shift in the focus of some of our questions. Okay, Brooksy, if the multiverse does exist, is it the end of physics? (laughs) Big question, isn't it? Thank you. Um, no, not at all. No, I mean it's an issue of our time. In that, you know, literally in the last century, we've really got a kind of handle on the fact that there must be other kinds of universes. And in the last century, we've started developing technologies to try and look at them. And I think that you know, in the future, we're going to find new technologies that allow us to kind of do these experiments that we can't do at the moment. So, so people complain a lot about, oh, you know, you, you can put out this hypothesis 
and nobody can do an experiment to test it. And so for instance, string theory, which we haven't really talked about, which is Professor Brian's sort of big thing. Uh, you know, there's no tests for that. So it's just maths and numbers. And actually, when you solve the equations of string theory, you get an almost infinite number of solutions, each one of which is its own universe. So when they heard about the idea that inflation gives you lots of different universes with lots of different properties, they jumped right on that. We're having that. Yeah, yeah. And they said, oh, well, there you go. So, so we only need the string landscape, as they called it. We only need a string universe. We've got a whole landscape of different universes. But, and, and if you wanted to test it like we test things with a Large Hadron Collider, so that tests the standard model of physics, that's fine. But for string theory, you'd need a collider the size of a galaxy. Mm. You know, and a collider the size of a galaxy is pretty hard to come by. So expensive, expensive. But there are things that you can test about string theory. Say, if you could, if you could shield gravity out of your experimental chamber, say, which we can't do. We don't know how to shield gravity, but it's not inconceivable. String theory suggests that there are uh, seven extra dimensions that we can't see. And actually, there are suggestions that the reason why gravity is a weirdly weak force is that actually it leaks out into other dimensions in a way that other forces don't. So you could do experiments to test this. If you could shield out gravity properly, then you could kind of do, construct experiments that would test for string theory. So my argument would be that all of our technological progress has brought us to where we are today. So you know, without the microscope, we wouldn't have germ theory or whatever. Without the big colliders, we wouldn't have a really good model of particle physics. So I think we're just waiting for the, the technology that comes uh, that will like, help us to explore the multiverse. There's one idea with string theory is that um, the very um, beginning, let, let's say we're in, that we agree with the sort of inflation bubble universe let's um, say that. idea. Um, at the very start of the bubble appearing, you have nine dimensions. And then for some reason, it would depend on initial conditions, um, some of those will become dominant. So some of those dimensions will, will get very big and then the others will stay very small. So in our universe, the three dimensions of space that we're familiar with became massively dominant. And the other six that are entirely invisible to us at the moment are just scrunched up very, very, very They're really, really small. Really small, so we can't see them. They actually call it compactified, which makes it sound like it's a plausible thing, doesn't it? So these compactified dimensions, well, they're just rolled up really small so you can't see them. Mm. I mean, again, you got any proof of that? No. But, but maybe with technology at some but, point. But that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, as technology develops, you know, we've got the microscope so we can see small things. Maybe we'll get something else so that we can detect these dimensions. And, and that's, you know, that's in, entirely plausible that we could do that. So it doesn't mean we should stop doing it. It just might be that theory's got a bit far ahead of the experiments that we can do. But that's not a bad thing, is it? Well done, no. theorists. Experimentalists need to step up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lazy. Um, am I right in saying that whatever type of multiverse you pick, we will never, ever be able to travel to or observe one of the other universes? Well, I can get you out of that slightly. Go on. If you uh, perform an experiment that's called the quantum suicide experiment, then that will actually prove the many worlds theory. The only problem is that you're the only one who knows it's true. 
So, um, so the guy who's done the most work on this is a guy called Max Tegmark, who's a really strong believer, he's at MIT, a really strong believer in, in many worlds theory, to the point where he admits that he spends quite a significant proportion of his time thinking about the other Maxes and what they might be doing in other branches of the multiverse. Well, they're literally doing everything that's possible. <laughs> yeah, 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 including doing quantum suicide. So the idea of quantum suicide is a bit like Schrodinger's cat, and you just need some kind of quantum process that makes a gun fire or not fire. And according to the many worlds hypothesis, it does both. So you put this gun to your head, and, and the recommendation is a high-velocity rifle. I don't know why. Just get it done. So the idea is that it, the trigger is effectively pulled by an atom going left or right. And, uh, and actually it goes left and right, according to the many worlds hypothesis. And, and, and if it goes left, say, then you're dead. And if it goes right then you hear an all-clear signal, kind of Hooter saying, well done, you've survived. So it's Russian roulette, quantum Russian roulette. And, um, and what happens is, in the many worlds hypothesis, you constantly survive, because you only survive in a universe where the gun doesn't fire. So you hear this all-clear signal the whole time. And, and you just hear it time after time. And when you're hearing it like 50 times, and you know it's a 50-50 experiment, it's basically like throwing heads... 50 times when you flip a coin, then if you hear it 50 times, you pretty much know that, yes, many worlds must be true and your consciousness just continues to exist in the world where the gun doesn't fire. And thus you know that many worlds is true and you try and convince the people around you who basically want nothing to do with you. Because you've got a high-velocity rifle pointing at your head. I haven't told you about how we're going to end this show. (laughs) Um, I sort of, I quite like that. So that pro- that is a way of proving the multiverse does exist. I think Don't try this at home. No. Um, although if you do, let us know. Um, the I suppose that the the thing that this is hinging on is that with the, the the quantum model of the multiverse, at every moment you are effectively stepping into a new universe. Every choice you make is taking you into a new universe, yeah. while other ones of you branch off and that's continually happening yeah and that's happening all the time every time you know a photon hits your eye effectively interesting I think there is a me somewhere who likes quantum I think there's probably only one of me (laughs) imagine going anywhere anytime with nobody able to stop you sounds lonely lonely dude you have yourself your infinite selves it's a non-stop party where all the guests are the only person we like you think it's cool being the smartest man on earth but once we give you this technology you become the smartest thing in every conceivable universe the infinite rick a god Eh, pass excuse me bro ricks don't pass on this who do you think you are a different kind of rick i guess well we'll see how long that lasts okay so i'm gonna we're, we're gonna wrap it up do you think there is a multiverse? Yes, I do. G- give me a number. How many universes aren't there? <laughs> well, I mean, I've just said infinite. So um, yeah, if, we're, if we're talking quantum, I'll, take, I'll, I'll say infinite. I, the, the thing that makes me um, sort of persuaded is the fact that you can take lots of different routes and end up with the multiverse. Yeah. As, as it's kind actually of your, unavoidable. Your yeah, yeah. Um, would anyone like to ask a question? Yes, at the back there. How close are we to quantum computers and how will that help with experiments in quantum? Um, Brooksy? Oh, I thought you'd take this one. No, thank you. <laughs> and so, so quantum computers are rudimentary at the moment. Um, they're a good one, a really useful one. 
might be 10 to 20 years away. One that destroys all of our security, which is based on factoring prime numbers, is probably still 50 years away, I would say. But the interesting thing is that David Deutsch, for one, um, Oxford University's David Deutsch, believes that quantum computers work by doing calculations in parallel universes and then bringing them back into our universe, bringing the answer back. So you could argue that... Copying someone else's homework? In a parallel universe? Effectively, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, so because he believes very strongly in the many worlds hypothesis, he says, you know, the only way you can explain how quantum computers work is, which, by the way, encode numbers in, like, the, the quantum states of atoms rather than in just, like, silicon. So he says they operate in parallel universes, and some people say that, actually, you know, when we see them operating and when they're really working properly, then we'll be able to do more experiments to sort of get the roots of quantum physics a bit more sorted out. That was pretty much the answer I was going to give as well. Um, any more questions? Uh, yes, a gentleman in white t-shirt. Say it was possible to, um, to travel by any chance to other universes. Would it create any kind of incongruence or any kind of conflict meeting your other you or your other same range of atoms? No, I don't think so. Because if you're meeting another you, then you're, first of all, and most importantly, you're going to be in a universe that you can survive in because... The, all of the physical constraints, the amount of dark energy, the cosmological constant are all going to be the same. And you have no relation, there's no connection between you and your doppelganger, at least in the kind of, in, in the simple sort of spaces, space is massive, there, therefore there will be repeats. So actually you, you could meet yourself quite happily. With the, the quantum example, it wouldn't be, it actually wouldn't be possible there wouldn't be any problems. No, no. It'd be quite and, cool. and interestingly, the many worlds idea is the only one in which you can make time travel work without having kind of appalling paradoxes. So like the grandfather paradox um, is where you, you travel through time and then you go back and kill your grandfather when he was a small boy, which is a really weird thing to do. Um, but, you know, after you've murdered that child, there is no chance for that child to grow up and conceive you, uh, your parent, and therefore you can't exist. So, so you know, it's kind of been cited as a way to say time travel can't possibly work because it, it destroys the kind of the continuity. But if you travel using a quantum time machine, you'll actually travel to a, a different branch of the multiverse. So the small boy that you kill um, is not the one that will grow up to be your grandfather. It's the one that will grow up to be the grandfather of the other you in the other branch of Hilbert's place. Who, who is now dead. Who is now dead. You've killed one of you. Yeah. 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 Any more questions? Yes. Does, does it mean uh, if you're constantly living uh, in the experiment where the atom goes left or right, that you're effectively going to live forever in your universe? So when would you actually die? Yeah, so, so you would never die. So Everett actually said, I will never die because there'll be a branch of the multiverse where none of the shit that's happened to me will actually happen. I mean, he died an alcoholic, a broken man, um, and <laughs> died at the age of 52, I think it was. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Destroyed. Yes, in this universe. In this universe, yeah, but there was another universe, he said, where, you know, those processes that led to my death will not, or lead to my death, will not happen. So, yes, we're all immortal. I, I think that that isn't true, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. I could start a cult. Who's stopping you? Would you like us? to join Michael's take cult? Us? I think the hands are staying down, aren't they? And how's that catchphrase coming along? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, would you like to join my cult? 
Um, it's a quantum cult. <laughs> You'll like it and you won't like it. <laughs> um, I think we are going to end it there. Um, thanks. 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 Thanks very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Science Ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The producers were Cormac McAuliffe and L. Scott. Sound designed by L. Scott and Ivor Slayer-Manley. Special thanks to Professor Brian Green. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate and review on wherever you listen to your podcasts. It does really help. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish. Your computer makes thousands of connections every day, just like the one it's making now to deliver you your audio content. Why not unlock some little connections of your own? Pick up a box of Cadbury Heroes today, stay at home and share them with your family or friends. Sometimes it's the little things that bring us together. 